Hello, this is Brian from Living in the End Times with Amos and X. As always, thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to follow us on social media. Give us a favorable rating on the podcast app of your choice, say CastBox or Podcast Republic. And most importantly, support us through Patreon at patreon.com slash endtimespodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash endtimespodcast, one word. And thank you in advance.
Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, everyone, dear listeners. Back on the mic, our long lost interlocutor. Oh, where, where have I been? <laughs> um, we'll get to that. So, the song <laughs> is called Peter and the Wild Boy by Rap Boys, and this is serendipitous mm-hmm. as per our theme tonight, which is the year of the rat. Um, I mean, this is sort of uncanny because they're, especially the lines about Peter, Peter, what makes you sad on the heels of Buddha judges, uh, exit from the stage. And then especially his, the eyebrows shit, like in the last two debates, his eyebrows were all fucked up. <laughs> um, so it's just obviously apropos. I think I was born in the year of the rat for what it's really worth. what year 77. Am I wrong? But maybe that's not right. I'm looking it up. Yeah. Uh, June, June, July, June, right? yeah. June, June. Um, now that everybody knows how old I am, yeah, you're as old as punk rock itself. I'm older than Pete no, Buttigieg. You're a year of the snake. <laughs> <clears throat> There's one. Yeah. So, um, we're recording on Super Wednesday. <laughs> Uh, on the heels of what many have experienced as this huge loss for Bernie, but it really isn't. Um, none of what the only surprise was Minnesota, which was obviously a hundred percent because of Amy Klobuchar. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, we can talk about it a little bit. I don't really want to dwell on it because the way the news media played it up is they're just reading off all these states. Like, yeah. look at what Biden won, and then Bernie wins California by. Um, effectively a landslide so mm-hmm. of delegates so you know what i've been saying on the show everything they're doing is every week they're just going to put somebody new in front of bernie to try and fuck him and then they'll just really do it at the convention um so we're still basically in the same position it's mm-hmm. obviously it's disappointing he didn't win minnesota he should have won minnesota but uh i was hoping for texas too that was close. Well, that was, I mean, that's a basic tie, basically a tie. Yeah, I mean, right. a delegate tie almost. Right. <clears throat> so, again, all of this was predicted. Like, mm-hmm. Nate Silver's projections kind of all just came true, which, and I only say, I'm not saying he's fucking Svengali. I'm just saying, like, that means the kind of middle of the road predictions were what ended up mm-hmm. going. I think Massachusetts, I guess, was a surprise too. Um, that didn't make a lot of sense because Biden only spent $11,000 there. Mm hmm. Um, and Liz Warren ended up in third place. I mean, if Liz Warren had just dropped out when Amy and Pete did, Bernie would have won half mm-hmm. the states. Biden won, mm-hmm. so or it's it, it it's in in some respects disappointing, but <clears throat> um, you know, there's a long way to go, right? Not and sure. I I mean, one thing I will say is Jimmy Dore's right that Bernie should have been attacking Biden for months before mm-hmm. this. And I I assume that the strategy was like basically play it relatively safe mm-hmm. because there's so many people in the field that like you don't want people ganging up on you and shit. But Jimmy Dore's argument was if he would start attacking Biden on the issues, he would have like been way ahead of everybody else by now. Mm-hmm. And he was saying this a few weeks ago. And I I mean, who knows? I think there's probably some truth to that, especially since – the day after, you know, since Super Wednesday, Bernie starts 
you know, lay, laying into Joe Biden, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Joe Biden's easily, he's somebody you can easily attack on the, on his right. record. It takes so. no effort at all. Yeah. So if Liz Warren, you know, she promised not to drop out. Now she's saying she's going to drop out or she may drop out. Bloomberg dropped out. Um, if it, if it pairs down to, and then they change the rules so that like, first they said, if you have at least one delegate, you can be in the debate and then Tulsi got a delegate. So they're like, okay, you need this many delegates now. <laughs> so if the next debate is Bernie versus Biden, then, you know, it'll be, be a street fight and Bernie will be able to, Biden will just keep talking about how Bernie's like impractical and shit and lost Super Tuesday states, and then Bernie hopefully is just attacking him on his record, which mm-hmm. is horrific. And then Biden will look senile. Because Biden has never been attacked in the debates. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been... Like, nobody's really come after him at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. He's gone after people, but I don't... Uh, it, it'll be interesting to... Because I am I honestly think Biden might end up, like, throwing a punch. Like, that's how kind of unhinged and, you know... Swiss cheese brained he is. <laughs> like he said on Monday, he was like, he was called it Super Thursday. <laughs> he forgot what the Declaration of Independence said. Right. Like at first I thought, I, I didn't even click through the article because I, w- I, I was hoping that he forgot what the Declaration of Independence was, but apparently it was just <laughs> forgot the opening lines. <laughs> bring, bring me your tired, your poor. He's like, you, you know, know what it is. Yeah, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> fuck and then he like wow. he mistook his wife for his sister in his like sort of quote unquote victory speech or well, and part of all that we don't need to get into it but to your point I'm wondering if everybody on the inside or close to him just knows like there's there's something going on there there's a decline or whatever and they just don't want to beat up on the old guy who's kind of he's kind of incoherent or whatever because that's what you think it is well I'm just I'm, I'm wondering oh. if that's what it is because it would seem um I mean, just impolite to attack this old man who's who's going senile or something. Um, and they were just expecting maybe he'd just slowly fade away and not win any states. I, I assume yeah. you're talking about the media. Uh, well, and even the candidates, too. But yeah. Uh, well, the candidates is one thing. I mean, yeah. there's a more strategic question. But I, mm-hmm. I don't think that any of this has to do with empathy. Mm-hmm. If Bernie sounded like that, are you like, I mean, I'm not t- directing yeah. this at you, but right, are you right. fucking kidding me? Like, right. they would have. They would have got him like banned from the fucking race yeah, somehow. Sure. Um, there, I, I mean, I think that the if you're talking about like the poor old guy, I mean, fuck mm-hmm. Joe Biden, he's a war criminal. Mm-hmm. I know you're not making that argument, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying like he deserves no empathy. No right. right. Um, p- point two, like I, I'm more and more convinced that the only reason he's running is because it's Jill. This is all Jill Biden. Like she's the only mm-hmm. she's she's sharp and. Mm-hmm. But she might have not realized how fucking retarded he was when this started, and now they're just pressing on. Because, I mean, she was the one who was like, even if you don't like his policies, you should vote for him in many ways. <laughs> Meaning she yeah. supports Bernie's policies. Um, <laughs> I, I'm looking up Trump's Twitter because he had, like, the best... He's in the, Over the last couple of weeks, he's had, like, the best analysis of the Democratic <laughs> field. <laughs> Yeah, from his comments on Liz Warren to Bloomberg and to Biden. Like, He's been very pro-Bernie. After late last night, Trump said, I think it was late last night, there's a New York Post headline that Trump was like, if Biden gets elected president, they'll put him in a home. 
Ouch. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to read a couple of right. wonderful Trump tweets. This is from, this is the most recent one. Pandering Mike, excuse me, pandering mini Mike Bloomberg, along with his wacky friend Tom Steyer, have found out the hard way that you can't buy the election. They both wish they had had it to do over again. Uh, this is another tweet. Mini Mike, quote, three, oh, I don't, oh, there's a, he put a quote and not an end quote, so, okay. Three months ago, I entered the race for president to defeat Donald Trump, and then in parentheses, and I failed miserably. <laughs> uh, Mini Mike Bloomberg now fired, it just says, oh, will now fire Tim O'Brien. And of all the fools and truly dumb people who got him into this mess, this has been the worst and most embarrassing experience of his life. And now on to Sleepy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, I love Donald Trump. Uh, Mini Mike Bloomberg just quote-unquote quit the race for president. I could have told him, told him long ago that he didn't have what it takes, and he would have have saved himself a billion dollars, the real cost. Now he will pour money into Sleepy Joe's campaign hoping to save face. It won't work. <laughs> um, I could go on anyway. It's just fucking... Oh, here we go. And this is the important part. She... Trump is a total Bernie stan, like just unabashedly, as we've talked about. Wow. If Elizabeth Warren wasn't in the race, Bernie Sanders would have easily won Massachusetts, Minnesota, and Texas, not to mention various other states. Our modern day Pocahontas won't go down in history as a winner, but she may very well go down as the all time great spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more glory, but, uh, Oh, here we go. This is so I'm going backwards in time. So selfish for Elizabeth Warren to stay in the race. She has zero chance of even coming close to winning, but hurts Bernie badly. So much for their wonderful liberal friendship. Will he ever speak to her again? <laughs> she cost him Massachusetts and came in third. He shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> this is making me feel better. The Democrat establishment came together and crushed Bernie Sanders again. Even the fact that Elizabeth Warren stayed in the race was devastating to Bernie and allowed Sleepy Joe to unthinking, unthinkably win Massachusetts. It was perfect. It was a perfect storm with many good states remaining for Joe. Um, anyway, yeah, Trump's. And then the day before that, Trump had a tweet that was just like when uh, Pete and Amy dropped out and then threw in for Joe, uh, for Biden, um, Trump said, uh, he's like they're they're staging a coup against Bernie Sanders, which is fucking true. Right. Um, Every single one of them. Yeah, you're hearing me okay in this, right? Yep. Okay, I was getting worried. All right. <clears throat> um, okay, so. <sighs> um, onto the onto the good news. The year of the rat. The yeah, the year of the rat, aka the coronavirus. Um, so. I'm not going to read anything about the Chinese astrology, but I'll just talk a little bit about some of the analysis I've heard in YouTube videos. A lot of astrologers are more in video form these days. So obviously grain of salt, but uh, for people I'm familiar with the Chinese zodiac, unlike um, in Western astrology where your sun sign is based on like more or less the month you were born and the constellation the sun was behind, um, at this point, modern Western astrology is just based on seasons, but um, 
in Chinese astrology, it's based on the year you were born. That's the primary thing. So people born, that's why like in China, um, the people with the, like the most common birth year is the year of the dragon. Cause it's supposed to be supposedly good for business, uh, acumen. So people will wait until the year of the dragon to have kids if they mm-hmm. can. Um, <clears throat> And so the year of the rat is uh, started February or no, January 25th, 2020. And the year of the rat is like the, the rat based qualities. So again, grain of salt, this is all just sort of, we're just speculating and interpretive, you know, fun, but um, with apparently real world consequences. So the, the rat as a creature is very communal, um, animal, highly intelligent, and I'm going to read a bit of a scientific article about that mm-hmm. in a moment, but also very, obviously very communal. And um, there was predictions uh, as in the lead up to the year of the rat that we were probably going to see problems with diseases widespread. And uh, because obviously rats are known to be very dirty and they carry a lot of diseases, <clears throat> but that has primarily to do with um, like I've watched documentaries about rats and the reason that, so rats as such, they're not like dirty as in and of themselves. That's not sort of their much like pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that since they're so adaptable and they're forced to live in underground, um, they become very, they, they end up being these disease vectors, unfortunately, for us and them. Um, like, I on this one documentary I watched, they, it showed this exterminator who was like a rat specialist, and he was like, They're, you can't stop them. Like, mm-hmm. it's impossible. They're too smart. And they, they, they set up hidden cameras, and they would use new kinds of poisons. The rats would let other rats eat the f- poison food, and then they'd be observing that. So they'd be scientifically like, okay, that's killing them. We're not eating that shit anymore. And mm-hmm. then just leave it behind. Like mm-hmm. they immediately, you know, learn and then communicate it to their families and their groups or whatever. Wow. And so like the guy's like, no, it doesn't matter what you do. You just can't solve the problem. But the main problem is that, um, as was stated in this, uh, kind of comedy dramedy show I used to watch. That's really good, but no longer on the air casual. Um, somebody was making a comment about how New York city, like, like the reason New York has all these rats is because they treat, they basically, their sanitation system is on the level of ancient Rome because in New York, people leave their garbage on literally on the, on the corner mm-hmm. for the garbage men to pick up every day or two. And like in this other documentary I saw where people were trying to like, I think exterminate rats like they had like these neighborhood groups you'd see like if you had a pile of garbage on the street you hit it with a stick or something 20 rats would like jump out and then go in the sewer the storm sewer and then you know wait for people to leave and then they go like they don't you can't stop them because they're too smart and they're too good at it but rats aren't native to north america they they ended up here they're like moroccan or something and it was during the the mercantile period that like they would end up on ships, you know, because there's like obviously they're shipping foodstuffs and whatever, and then mm-hmm. it, they 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 got into North America via you know the 
mercantilist ships and shit in the fucking, you know, whatever. I guess that's technically pre-modern, but like intra pre-modern modern times. <clears throat> and um, so then they just took over. I mean, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere they, the climate sort of allows, we don't have them here because it's too cold. Um, but like in the South, they're just fucking everywhere too. And they are highly disease ridden just by nature of the fact that they're adaptable and stuff. And so, um, like, <clears throat> and they're opportunistic, obviously, as well, which is another reason they get a bad rap. But uh, in terms of um, the year of the rat, so the disease thing vis a vis- vis- coronavirus, and we'll talk about that in detail in a moment. Um, but then also like the sort of more communal elements of the year of the rat, like, um, which is the coronavirus is, you know, concomitant with that, like all the fears around the coronavirus that are Mm -hmm. justified, justified and justifiable, like shuts down production. The economy is like fucking tanking. I saw an image of like, um, I don't know. I don't think they may, I don't think Wuhan is a computer making it's not electronic sector in China, or a region in China. I think it's more just like heavier industry, like metals and stuff. You're the metal rat. So there you go. Anyway, they shut down, like they showed the, the CO2 emissions mm-hmm. from that region before and after the coronavirus scare. And it was just down to zero. Yep. So like, you know, will will the solution to climate change, will we get to net zero just because all production shuts down all over the world? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, obviously, like in the U.S. presidential election, the rise of the rat face fuck Pete Buttigieg was like the moment that was the year of the rat. <laughs> he just exploded onto the scene and then became obviously not a factor, not a viable alternative or opposition to Bernie, but definitely a factor in why uh, when he threw in for P- or for Biden, why Bernie didn't do as well on Super Tuesday as he should have. Um so the that's kind of like the general like year of the rat stuff. And then we can get into specifics in a moment mm-hmm. if you have a response. Yeah, no. Um, so connecting a few of these different uh, data points and seeing one question on Facebook, not so much as a theory um, or just on the Internet. Someone is wondering the degree to which coronavirus outbreak and the pandemonium emerging over that in the United States had an effect on some of these Super Tuesday states and if it oh. suppressed turnout mm-hmm. or if it just affected the way people voted, right. even if they went out to vote, they're like, I'm going to go, I'm not going to do the crazy Bernie thing. I'm going to do something a little more conservative, a little more establishment. I don't know if you can measure that, but mm-hmm. it, it was an interesting idea. And so um, that might be worth exploring further. But I was also going to say there was, um, I think after Buttigieg dropped out, there was a hard times got net headline which I think incorrectly stated, I just wanted to add, um, CIA plan to overthrow presidency fails, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, and I was just thinking about that. I think, well, you know, with the whole throwing in with Biden after the fact for Buttigieg and so on, like, no, it didn't. Like, it's, it's clearly proceeding forward, this CIA plot, right? right. To, to sort of do anybody but Bernie. And again, this is somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but Warren's a part of it. Everybody's a part of it. They're mm-hmm. all doing everything they can. And it's, I don't think it's any secret. Um, and the degree to which coronavirus, sort of the year of the rat, feeds into that is interesting. Insofar as if rats are communal, as you mm-hmm. as you indicate, 
well, that would seem to sort of prime us for a more communally oriented president, right? Which would be Bernie. And again, mm, I'm, I'm hoping right. I'm hoping that's the direction we go. Of course. Yeah. So you have the two sides of the coin. One, mm. Bernie, the actual somebody's running on the grounds of helping everybody mm-hmm. um, and helping everybody not get sick. Right. So like the opposite of the so the positive element of the year of the route would be communal like for like solidarity right whereas the inverse of that is joe biden conniving like in the stereotypical rat way mm-hmm. and like gathering forces to try and stop bernie there was a babylon b article that was something like democratic opposition forms mech to <laughs> stop <laughs> right. bernie sanders right. at all costs yeah um and like my you know people were like oh he must have Biden must have promised Pete and Amy cabinet slots. And it's like, well, yes, obviously right. that's true. But what I think probably happened is he promised Pete the VP to drop out. And he promised Elizabeth Warren the VP to stay in through mm-hmm. Super Tuesday. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what I would do if I was Biden. I'd promise everybody the same thing and right. let him fucking go nuts. Who gives a shit? Right. Um, but like I was saying off air, I think this is all, you know, Joe Biden's got like fucking... He has real rat brain. He has like, well, not, that's unfair to rats. He has Swiss <laughs> cheese brain. He has cheese brain. Um, he's, you know, he, he mistook Super Tuesday for Super Thursday. He forgot the first line of the de- Declaration of Independence. Uh, this is all in the same fucking week, you know, and then we've seen a million other gaffes. Um, mm-hmm. And as we're speculating off air, had Bernie, if Bernie had, so shown any signs of fucking dementia or any like any of this shit he would have been taken out fucking eight nine months ago mm-hmm. by the media but with biden they just ignore it right um which lends credence to my theory which is this is all jill biden she's the she's the um she's the shot caller here um just like hillary clinton was with bill clinton so in that regard like this is they're trying to bring the 90s back in the negative mm-hmm. um Whereas we're trying to bring back the slacker nineties of like, everybody can relax and mm-hmm. hang out and have a good time and, you know, get high if they want to. Um, okay. So now I want to, I want to rehabilitate since I've been calling Pete Buttigieg a rat face fuck for the last month, which he is. Um, it's now we can get back to the hard work of valorizing actual rats. So this is kind of a crazy story. Um, this is called rats are us. Uh, they are sentient beings with rich emotional lives, yet we mm-hmm. subject them to experimental cruelty without conscience. Mm-hmm. Why? In the late 1990s, Jack Panksepp, the father of affective neuroscience, that's affective neuroscience, discovered that rats laugh. This fact had remained hidden because rats laugh in ultrasonic chirps that we can't hear. It was only when Brian Knudsen... Uh, oh, that was weird. Sorry, I know someone with that name. Mm. Very strange. Mm. Uh a member of Panksepp's lab, well, probably because this is, I assume this is in Sweden with these type of names, um, started to monitor their vocalizations during social play that he realized there was something that appeared unexpectedly similar to human laughter. Panksepp and his team began to systematically study this phenomenon by tickling the rats and measuring their response. They found that the rats' vocalizations more than doubled during tickling and that rats bonded with the ticklers, approaching them more frequently for social play. That's adorable. Yeah, the rats were enjoying themselves. 
But the discovery was met with opposition from the scientific community. The world wasn't ready for raffing, laughing rats. That discovery was just the tip of the iceberg. We now know that rats don't live merely in the present, but are capable of reliving memories of past experiences and mentally planning ahead the navigation route they will later follow. They reciprocally... Oh, boy, I'm tired. Reciprocally... Why can't I say it? Reciprocity, no, no, I can say. Reciprocal, reciprocally, sorry. Yeah, you're good. Trade different kinds of goods with each other and understand not only when they owe a favor to another rat, as per our discussion, <laughs> but also yeah. that the favor can be paid back in a different currency. Mm-hmm. When they make a wrong choice, they display something that appears very close to regret. Having, Despite having brains that are much simpler than humans, there are some learning tasks in which they'll likely outperform you. Rats can be taught cognitively demanding skills, such as driving a vehicle to reach a desired goal. Uh, Like a drone? (laughs) I think like a little car. Um, (laughs) Stuart Little. Playing playing hide-and-seek with a human and using the appropriate tool to access out-of-reach food. The most unexpected discovery, however, was that rats are capable of empathy. Since the 1950s, again, this is what distinguishes them from um, Pete Buttigieg. Since the 1950s and 60s, behavioral studies have consistently shown that rats are far from the egotistic, self-centered creatures that their popular image suggests. It all began with a study in which the rats refused to press a lever to obtain food when that lever also delivered a shock to a fellow rat in in an adjacent cage. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, the rats would rather starve than witness a rat suffering. Follow-up studies found that rats would press a lever to lower a rat who was suspended from a harness that they would refuse to walk down a path in a maze if it resulted in a shock delivered to another rat, and that rats who had been shocked themselves were less likely to allow other rats to be shocked, having been given, having, having been through the discomfort themselves. Mm-hmm. Rats care for one another. But the discovery of rat empathy was also met with incredulity. How could a rat be empathetic? Surely there must have been something wrong with the experimental procedures. So the rat empathy research program languished for some 50 years. The world was no more ready for empathetic than for laughing rats. In 2011, the issue of rats' empathy resurfaced when a group of scientists found that rats will reliably free other rats who are trapped inside a tube. It was not that they were merely curious or wanted to play with the apparatus. It was... If it was empty or contained a toy rat, they would tend to ignore it, and the tube wasn't easy to open. It required effort and skill. So it seems that the rats really wanted to free their fellow rat. Most scientists were not convinced, suggesting instead that the rats probably just wanted someone to hang out with, which, just to interject, isn't that the same fucking thing? <laughs> right. Uh, or that they found it annoying that the trapped rat was making such irritating noises and wanted it to stop. <laughs> Jesus Christ fucking these people are monsters the rats according to those scientists were not acting out of concern for the other but out of pure egoism what else could one expect from a rat this sounds more like (laughs) this sounds more like scientists who were raised in alan greenspan's fucking america (laughs) while this sort of skepticism is usually praiseworthy in scientists it has been bad news for rats since that 2011 experiment there has been an explosion of different studies that continue to place rats in harmful situations to see if others will help them. They find the same pattern. Rats are more likely and quicker to help a drowning rat when they themselves have 
experience being drenched, suggesting that they understand how the drowning rat feels. Rats will also help a trapped rat even when they can escape and avoid the situation, something many humans fail to do. The result of these studies are compelling, but they don't show us much more than what we already suspected from the work done in the 50s and 60s. That rats are empathetic, meanwhile, the studies have inflicted and continue to inflict significant fear and distress on the rats. Um, the scientists are willing to continue harming rats because they're seen as a cheap and disposable research tool. In the U.S., rats are not covered by animal welfare laws. Scientists can legally do whatever they want to them. This is true of how rats are acquired, housed, manipulated, and killed. Even though scientists have found that killing rats using carbon dioxide causes unnecessary distress, this continues to be a popular method for disposing of them once their usefulness is ended. And there are other methods. The scientist John P. Gluck in his book Voracious Science in Vulnerable Animals 2016 describes how he was taught to euthanize rats when the chloroform ran out. My supervisor took a large male rat in his hand, turned the face, turned to face the brick parapet wall that followed the edge of the building, reared back and threw the rat at the wall like a baseball pitcher throwing a fastball. The rat made a pop as it hit the wall, fell straight down into the gravel-covered roof, quivered, and then lay totally still in the shadow of the wall. Scientists are now tinkering with rats' empathy in order to find ways of treating human psychopathologies. In some ways, in some cases, rats are given treatments that temporarily disable their empathetic capabilities, such as anxiolytics, paracetamol, heroin, and or electric shocks. In other cases, the harm is permanent. Rats are separated from their mothers at birth and raised in social isolation. In some studies, their amygdala, the brain area responsible for emotion and affiliation, are permanently damaged. The explicit goal of this research is to create populations of mentally ill, traumatized, emotionally suffering rats. <clears throat> While there are worries about these experiments from a welfare perspective, there are deeper worries from ethical perspectives that respect the autonomy of the individual. These experiments are turning healthy, empathetic individuals into callous psychopaths. This is a deep violation of the integrity of a psychological agent. Still, these studies are justified in ways of creating animal models of childhood maltreatment, psycho psychopathy, social functioning deficits and opioid addiction, anxiety and depression, conduct disorders and callousness, all of which would ideally help us later to treat these conditions in humans. The logic behind these studies is paradoxical. Rats are close enough to us to serve as models for human, human psychopathologies, but far enough to be outside of ethical concern. Researchers today would hardly dream of creating human psychopaths to study or showing a human subject a real drowning child in order to offer a chance to rescue. The reason is simple. Humans have an empathetic nature that ought to be respected, but we do it to rats despite their own empathetic nature. In fact, we've done it before to primates. Okay, I'm going to stop here because this is going to be pretty long, but... <clears throat> um, so that's obviously horrifying. It's mm -hmm. it's obviously interesting and stuff about how close rats are to us emotionally. Um, but like I've seen, I think Time Magazine once, I don't know if they, they, they were like, I don't know if they were, it was like giving the rats like person of the year or something, but it was sort of like talking about how if it wasn't for lab rats, we wouldn't have medicine basically. Um, that like so the rat has been like a massive friend to humans mm -hmm. um against their will uh obviously and 
Uh, but what I when I'm reading this, what I keep thinking about is like, yes, this is horrific, and the, this crazy unnecessary cruelty should be stopped toward rats. Insofar, especially when he's talking about like killing it by throwing it against a wall and shit. Um, but I'm as I'm reading this, and they're talking about intentionally creating traumatized psychopathic callous rats i'm like oh like capitalism treats us mm-hmm. i mean to me the to your point about like if the two sides of the year of the rat are one on one the communal like helping each other in solidarity uh and the other the conniving sort of um manipulation of power to fuck us all over and burn the world to the ground then like the real the the actual what actually reflects like real rats is the former um the in the latter is what we humans do to each other and call it rat like behavior that being said what and this is this sort of goes back to like there's there's always if if anybody's ever seen like a mayday parade or whatever they always have like rats are always kind of seen as the workers rising up mm-hmm. um symbolically together and i think like you know if if we have any sort of test case for you know i i i guess what i'm saying is like obviously they're making an argument about what you're allowed to do in research in research you're not allowed to hurt humans knowingly or unknowingly and there's ethics boards for that but with rats it doesn't apply well that's what happens in research in capitalism we don't have any of those rules Mm -hmm. So humans are as disposable as these lab rats insofar as like capital can extract value out of them. Like there's this wonderful YouTube channel that's not really active anymore, but the videos are still up. Tijuana Jackson, who played, who's played by Romani Malco, who's um, well known, at least uh, for my peers for playing. He plays a black dude in 40 year old virgin. Um, he's really fucking funny, but he plays Tijuana Jackson, ex-convict turned motivational speaker, and uh, he's just really fucking funny. But he's also like super gully and like hood intentionally, like you know, um, like constantly talking about <laughs> being healthy and eating right, and then he's like smoking cigarettes and shit. Um, but he was like, uh, he he talked about some. There were some viewer questions. He actually gives good advice um, in some respects, but he was saying that like the U S government sees, they basically value each human in terms of like the, their, their potential tax revenue or how much money they can make off of them. And it's like $250,000 or something is like the minimum. So that's one of the reasons that they're so intent on locking black people up is Mm -hmm. if they're not contributing to the tax base, they're going to extract that money via like private prisons or whatever, or just being in prison. Um, and if you spend money at the commissary, they're ex- they have explosive prices for like you buy like a tiny pizza and it's like ten dollars, like a DiGiorno that would cost like two bucks in the store or whatever, or just how much they charge people to use e-readers or make phone calls, plus all the slave labor that goes on, including Mike Bloomberg's campaign. Uh, so <clears throat> anyway, I'm just it's just it's interesting in a horrifically dark way that the way that we treat rats is similar to the way that capitalism treats humans. And so we, you know, 
in order to change that and change course, we have to rise up like rats and work together, mm-hmm. you know, obviously to initially get Bernie elected and then build vote from there. I don't know if you ever read The Plague uh, by Camus, but there's there's kind of an interesting uh, suggestion near the end there, and I won't remember it. I won't go into detail, but it's sort of as if the author seems to suggest that. You know, and so the, it's the plague that out is there's an outbreak of bubonic plague again in in North Africa, Algeria, or something. Um, you know, and it's it's rat based, right? Um, and it you know in the end it's sort of like well, I mean this is an existentialist French writer like, uh, well these humans kind of had it coming and it's like it's okay and it's, it's this is just what it means to be and this is what you deserve you sort of monsters or something. Um, and I don't I know that the coronavirus again connecting these is not connected to rats um to what degree do our well bats are rodents right isn't the association that this came from bats in china or something that's a racist lie there you go okay all right so not true um but in any case um we've are part of me wants to say in response to what you just read there that if if all that is true about rats and they've been mistreated by us for so long it's only appropriate that they sort of rise up in disease form Mm -hmm. and take us down and in so doing as we discussed perhaps we'll save the planet right Mm -hmm. as all the co2 emissions and pollution and so on just drops precipitously in the wake of wake of this uh pandemic yeah so which gets us to the coronavirus um as a topic like yeah, I mean, there are a rat reckoning. I mean, if we're yeah. if we're in a pagan universe where there's a just world, then yeah, that makes sense. But we're not, so we don't sure. need to worry about that. Sure. Um, sure. But the the coronavirus is like the sort of um, it's almost stereotypical like year of the rat disease because uh, first of all, there's all types of misinformation going on everywhere. Mm-hmm. So there's the the Here's my argument against bat meat mm-hmm. uh, as as a source. Okay, let's think through what that would mean. Um, and obviously, I'm not saying you're claiming this. Right. I'm just this speaking to the general, like, the, the misinformation. <clears throat> let's say you wanted to eat a bat for some reason. Okay, where do you get it? Where do you get the bat meat from? Do you trap the bats? How the fuck do you trap a bat? It's a flying mammal. It's really smart. It's ta- constantly communicating with the other bats. Um, so that already poses a huge problem. Well, humans are pretty creative when it comes to killing, so mm-hmm. they could probably figure out a way. Even if you did it, how much meat are you getting off that fucking bat? <laughs> a quarter ounce? I mean, it's really return on investment. Bats, is pretty bat, low. Yeah, I mean, maybe flying foxes, but there's no fucking <laughs> way. That's not. First of all, that's not even what they're claiming to be eating. Secondly. Even if you did, how are you? How many are you? It's just, it's bullshit on its face. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, okay, so just, I, I mentioned this in the last episode with Joe, but I'll mention it again. Here's mm-hmm. how racist the left is. My friends on Facebook, leftists, I posted about how China banned eating of wildlife, and they had a picture of the pagolin on there, which mm-hmm. is like this kind of a crazy dinosaur-looking tree-dwelling reptile. It looks like kind of like an armadillo, maybe. So it's, mm-hmm. it might be a mammal. I don't know. Um, and I was like, good. Yeah, stop eating fucking pagolins. They're endangered, and it, that's horrible. Um, but people, unironically, were like, oh, no, they won't be able to eat dogs. Whatever will they do? And then somebody else is like, some people will starve. And I'm like, what? 
what the fuck is wrong with you? What do you think China is like? China is more advanced than America, right? For the most part, at this point. Also, like, there's a billion plus people over there. Right. How many? If you think they're eating wildlife as like a staple, you're out of your fucking mind. So obviously, like, okay, the left is just extremely racist still, uh, at least elements of it. Um. <clears throat> But this goes to, this speaks to just the anti you know the orientalism the fucking anti Asian yeah. and these I should point out these people were not one was American one was from India so it was like I don't know where this fuck is, is coming from but Chomsky's talked about how like there's been anti Asian animus in the U S has been like this touchstone in American culture yeah. going back to like you know a long time like Jack London even wrote all this crazy shit about the Asian hordes coming in and invading and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there's there's that, just like the on-its-face bullshit. But it, the reason that coronavirus is such a you're-the-rat disease is because it's so insidious in the sense of, like, the old folklore is if you see one rat, then there's a hundred more right. that you don't see. Um, and uh, to that end, like... What's dangerous – okay, so we need to talk a little bit about – listeners of the pod or probably already know this shit, but just to, just in case. Um, some of the fake news around coronavirus is, well, the flu kills more people than the coronavirus has killed, so get your head out of your ass. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Um, but there are obvious and horrific differences between mm -hmm. the flu and the coronavirus. So uh, – <clears throat> I'm just going to read this is a side by side of like some of the differences between COVID-19 coronavirus and the, the flu. So number one, mortality is about 10 to 20 times higher. Mm -hmm. So COVID-19's mortality, meaning kill rate, is 1.7% to 4%. And the flu is like 0.1 to 0.2%. Yeah. Uh, serious and critical cases are more than 10 times frequent. So it's 15 to 20% are serious. Um, five percent require the ICU for COVID nineteen. Only one point five percent are hospitalized for the flu. Multiple times as many people may get infected. Forty to eighty percent of world population will be infected with coronavirus, compared to five to twenty percent oh. of the population of the f gets infected by the flu every year. Um, one person will infect up to three times as many others. So with Corona, it's two to four. Um you know, people or whatever. And with the uh, flu, it's 1.3 people without lockdowns. It multiplies more than twice as fast and it's exponential. So there's a three day doubling time with Corona and a seven days doubling time with uh, <clears throat> the flu, which is a significant. Mm -hmm. So if it takes seven days to double, then exponentially you're moving at a much slower rate. And if people are mm -hmm. taken out of the game, if they're sick for a week, they're not going to infect anybody else. Corona will get to that. Uh, if the doubling time is three days and the incubation time is can be up to a 24 days, mm -hmm. then you, you can't stop it. Right. Infectious weeks before symptoms show incubation. Two to 14 days, outliers 27 days, average 5.5 days for coronavirus. Incubation time for the flu is two days. Infectious one day before symptoms. So you're only infectious basically of, with the flu for like one day. And then you get it. So your exposure to other people is going to be much less. Um, 
It can be transmitted through the air more than two to three meters. They don't know with coronavirus, but it's possible. Um, it is possible with uh, with the flu. It can be. Tra- this is the worst one. This is the this is the apocalypse one. It can be transmitted via hard surfaces for more than a week. Oh. Coronavirus survives nine days on hard surfaces. The flu survives one day. Yeah. Um. People are infectious more than twice as long. They're infectious for two to four weeks with coronavirus and flu. They're infectious for about a week. Frequently, doctors and nurses die. Thousands get infect, got infected, and some died. And this is so far. We are very, very early on. And then there's minimal known cases of nurses and doctors dying from regular flu. Multiple reports of recurrence after, quote, cured. 14% tested positive after being released uh, with coronavirus. And with flu, immediate recurrence is rare. ER and ICUs get overloaded frequently with coronavirus is rare for um, the flu. So <clears throat> the this is what the reason I say it's like very rat-like is you have this sort of underground thing happening with coronavirus. You, the incub- if the incubation, obviously it's an outlier, but if the incubation rate is up to 27 days, that means you're spreading it on a hard surfaces for 27 days. And that entire time you have another nine days of lead time for everything you touch can infect somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's impossible. That's why it's going to spread 80% of humanity, at least I would say, I mean, there's, they're being obviously they're saying what they can say with limited information, 40 to 80%, but it's going to be more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, another, the, and sort of a tangible example of its rat like behavior or not behavior. It's a virus. Fuck viruses. They're undead. It's floating around. I hate them. Um, but uh, we already have an example of, you know, the Iranian, who is that, like Iranian uh, advisor? Vice president or something. Or something. Yeah, vice president. They're, ta- they're on TV talking about coronavirus. He's clearly sick. He ends up dying a day later. And then th- they start testing everybody and they find out that 23 members of the Iranian parliament have it which means everybody has it. Um, Everybody in the government has been exposed to it probably. So like you extrapolate all these things, all that shit I read compounds to make it that much more dangerous. Now, now I want to talk about a video that I watched from a gear review channel. Um, this channel I watch because the gear review is really good. He's he's able to analyze. We're talking guns, knives, camping, shit like that, whatever. Outdoor stuff. Um, you know, we're North Dakota. We're hillbillies, whatever. It's just it's just who I am. Um, I'm not going to apologize. You're as, from Minot. I'm not from fucking Minot. Oh, I'm from Grand Forks. That's right. Your people are from Minot. Excuse me. Yeah. Well, we don't need to talk about no, that. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't need to admit that publicly. <laughs> um, anyway, so he he makes really good gear review uh, videos. He's consistently in how he analyzes gear and like is very focused on getting people value and all that type of shit. That's all great. Then he starts talking about politics, and then the shit goes completely off the rails. Um, you know, and of course he's very pro gun and all that stuff. Which I am too, but his arguments are terrible generally uh, because they're all based on just like the worst shit he Googled. I don't doubt he even Googled it. He probably just pulls it off of Rush Limbaugh's fucking website. Um, 
But here was his argument about coronavirus. <laughs> that since the more he said only a two percent mortality rate, kind of like who gives a shit, right? And then he was like, Ebola, that's got a 50% kill rate. And he's obviously just literally repeating Trump verbatim, mm-hmm. which Trump's not wrong, but that makes Ebola much easier to contain because they die quickly and you, it can't spread as quickly if it's, it, if you have any type of like concern to try and stop it, which is wh- how we contained it in the US. <laughs> If you have something that can survive on hard surfaces for nine days, yes, 2% kill rate's low. But if 80% of the world gets it, mm-hmm. that's tens of millions of people dead. Mm-hmm. And the, those are vulnerable people that we're talking about. This is like children of men level. of like It just right. might just wipe out a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. And obviously old people, okay, yes, we want boomers disenfranchised by any means necessary, but not calling for their genocide or anything. Obviously, this is just satire. Um but we don't want kids to die. That's not cool. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders is for the children. Wu Tang is for the children. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not our goal. ODB. ODB. Rest in, Rest in peace. peace. Big baby Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, the, it, well, and, and so I bring this up because it's reactionary bullshit, but this is shit. People believe this shit. Mm-hmm. Now, this guy is a racist, like dog whistling, but a racist. You find like it. You have to watch a lot of his content to find it, and that's the sort of insidious like genius of the channel, which is it's all hidden behind gear review. Um, that's how people get like sucked in, and I know that's his strategy. Like this is an ex special forces guy. He knows about psyops. He knows mm-hmm. about all this bullshit. And of course, he's a quote unquote libertarian, and like every other libertarian, he you know what do I say? What's my motto? If you're a libertarian, you're either on government assistance or you have a government job or both. Well, mm-hmm. you know, he's not public about what he does for a living, but my research shows he's a federal law enforcement agent. So he's probably, he's either FBI or Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. Um, ICE. Or ICE. But he's an ex-pilot, so I don't know if, I assume he flies for somebody. Hmm. So I don't know what that would mean exactly. Maybe he just does like CIA contracting. Who knows? It doesn't matter. Anyways, um he has a government job, which makes him a libertarian. Right. So uh, he's full of shit is my point. But he – so then he's like, oh, this isn't a big deal. And he was kind of doing like a quasi – prep. It was, it was supposed to be talking about pandemics as a thing to prep for in mm-hmm. a certain way. And that's good advice. Again, once he gets back into the gear stuff, it makes more sense. But his argument is since this only has a 2% kill rate and people die from the flu all the time. And this is all just, you know, nonsense. They're, the media is using this to attack Trump, that this is just a way for the Democrats to try to beat Trump, which um, is tr- a truly insane idea to be spreading in the face of something this devastating. Now, um, so I want to qualify that in two ways. Number one, this is unstoppable. I don't mm-hmm. care how many you, – you would have to quarantine people for maybe four or five months. They would never have to come in contact with any other person, and that's not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's unstoppable no matter what. Like I was at you know, I was at Sam's Club buying fucking shipping supplies and shit, and I was just like, 
there's no point in trying to avoid touching anything because it's just on everything everywhere. So, okay, that's a, it's horror, both horrifying and like sort of like, well, then I don't know what difference it makes mm -hmm. ultimately. Um, so that I, I, I do like that. I'm sort of at a loss beyond that because mm -hmm. again, it survives nine days on hard surfaces. Are you never going to touch a door handle in your life again? Like that seems impossible. And this is why Italy's shutting their schools down. Japan shut all their schools down. Mm -hmm. Obviously, China's been trying to contain it by shutting factories down. Um, I think it's these are futile efforts. But again, so the year that we're at connection is just that in the same way that like we can't see it happening, but it's traveling in a highly communal way. Um, this is what makes it so insidious and effective at transmission. Um, and it's also revealing in terms of revealing the underground, it's showing, like I've said before, that one of the real dangers of Trump is in the face of real emergencies, he's totally impotent. He doesn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, and I was talking about it with friend of the pot, friend of the show, Scott last night at, um, a super Tuesday watch party with some other Bernie bros. haha, ha, They're all women mostly, um, that like. Like Scott was saying that Trump at the press conference, he was talking to the the scientists and they were like, you know, it's going to we can't we won't have a vaccine for like a year. And he's like, so two to three months. And they're like, no, a year. And he kept just repeating two to three months because that's what he wanted to hear. But they they were just telling him the reality of it and they were getting pissed. And my point was like Trump. It's not that Trump's too dumb. He just literally is so. For him, unless he can use it, unless he can use the information, he, he can't process it mm -hmm. or he doesn't process mm -hmm. it. Um, and similarly, like unless it's something that is in his wheelhouse of power, he has no interest in. Mm -hmm. So that's why he's so impotent in the face of crises because he would have to be like, okay, I want to have to – I would need to want to save these people to give a shit about this right. and I can't do that for whatever reason, like you can call that narcissism. I'm not really sure what it is, but it's just observably true. Um, but once he thinks he has a, a horse, you just have to convince him that he has a horse in the race and then he'll start understanding it mm -hmm. because he understands pretty like complex foreign policy shit, even though they won't report on what he actually says. Most of the time they just report on what sound like foibles, but like in 2015, he perfectly understood the Syrian conflict. That's not an easy conflict to understand. Um, but it, he knows he can use that uh, electorally. So, um, you know, just like the hurricane in Puerto Rico and and in Florida, like he just pretends like it doesn't happen because he mm -hmm. doesn't know how to deal with it because right. it doesn't affect him in a way that he understands directly. Um, so in some ways, he's like the perfect politician. It, 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 uh, stereotypically, like no concern for just ruthless sociopath, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it also shows his limitation and Bernie should be exploiting this as much as possible. He should be like, Trump should call state of emergency, blah, 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 blah. You know, we need a, why isn't Congress acting? Why aren't we have $10 billion to fight this right now? You know, emergency funding. If I were president, when I'm president, this will get handled immediately. Blah, blah, blah. Just, He's not doing that. I don't really know why. Um, uh, exploit Trump's weaknesses, but anyway, the that sort of like 
that's what's dangerous about Trump is because, again, he's just going to ignore the problem. And now, like, Mike Pence shook hands with some kid, and now the kid is in quarantine over coronavirus fears. So, which should be scary because, like, if Mike Pence dies and Trump will get exposed to it, and by any measure, he's got to be more unhealthy than Pence. Um <laughs> I don't want a Pelosi presidency. I want a Pelosi presidency almost less than I want a Pence presidency. Um, so, but what that means is it's already in D.C. It's probably going to get into the Senate. Like, I, Bernie's actually legitimately healthy in spite of all these fake heart, heart fake heart fears because they fixed the problem. Um, so I'm not so much worried about Bernie, but like. Again, this could just destroy. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know what will happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, Pelosi could die. She seems pretty fucking out of her mind. It might kill Biden. I mean, God forbid. We wouldn't want that. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, while you're on the, uh, you mentioned the uh, the YouTuber who's ultimately a libertarian reactionary and yeah. so on and, and you mentioned that i will combine that with your left the left being racist stuff from before mm -hmm. i'm only i was thinking the bat thing i think not because i read that somewhere even though that has been mentioned apparently i was misremembering the movie from whatever 2011 uh, contagion i don't know if you saw contagion which that libertarian guy was like this is a great movie you should watch it <laughs> this is how it really works right and so the origin there, if I recall, was there was a bat at an open air Chinese market who shat. They weren't eating any shat into it. Oh, pork it's the same or chicken. It's or literally the plot of Contagion is the yeah. reactionary talking. Exactly. Point. Yeah. yeah. And then and then that passed to everybody. And Gwyneth Paltrow died, and it was it was terrible. Um, anyway, and so I was thinking of that film, which again, a, you know, a Hollywood left kind of movie. I mean, liber liberal, I should say. Hollywood. Right. Um, I think it's of, a Steven Soderbergh movie, so he's like the ultimate Hollywood liberal. There you go. Kind of, I mean, just casting fear and horror of, in particular, you know, the Chinese um, in American audiences and, I guess, world audiences from the very beginning of that film. Right. So. Um, oh, no, it's not. Maybe he produced it. Mm -hmm. Never mind. It actually is Chinese directors, uh -huh. which I don't know if they're Americans, but they have, like, extremely Chinese names. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, that's really funny because, well, first of all, if the viewer does, if the listener is unaware, do not ever handle bats. Here's why: not because of stupid coronavirus, but because bats have extremely high metabolic rates because they're flying mammals. So that's why they can have rabies and never get sick, but they can fucking infect you. Yeah. So, and since bats are just covered in hooks. Again, it's not the right. bat's intent to uh, give you rabies, right. but it will if you right. handle it um, because they're asymptomatic generally. Uh, and so bats spread. <laughs> I was looking at this because a fucking bat got in a place I was living and then I had to get it out of the house so I went and got rabies shots just mm -hmm. as a precaution and shit. But um, in, the, in my research, I found that like, at least in North Dakota – what is the biggest vector for rabies? Fucking skunks. <laughs> so the the skunks somehow get bit by the bats, or I don't know what happens. Um, and uh, but they're the they're the vectors, meaning they're like carrying it around. My grandma actually had to kill a rabid skunk Ooh. with a fucking shovel because it was like charging at one of the yeah. kids when my Ooh. mom was little. Uh, which is a pretty hardcore. <laughs> like that's some that's a fucking 
I think it was like a cartoon, like the, mm-hmm. the fucking thing was charging at the screen door. And then my grandma like saw this happening and had a shovel and like, you know, cranked it in the face before it got there. <laughs> um, if I'm remembering that story correctly, but anyways, yeah. So the, so don't handle bats, even if they're cute. I'm not saying they mean you harm, but they don't, it's not their fault. They're just right. fucking bats. Um, but yeah, so, uh, the, yeah. I'll watch Contagion for the purposes of this podcast just to see. I it probably is a fucking good movie. I don't know. That's okay. It's full of Matt Damon. Yeah. yeah Matt Damon. That can that's kind of a hit or miss thing yeah. for me. Um Oh yeah, that, it's weird that it was 2013 because it seems older to me. Mm-hmm. Because like he was in um The Martian. He was in like then two space movies, one in 2014, yeah. Interstellar, which we talked about, which is awesome, and then The Martian, which is not awesome. Well in Elysium too, wasn't he? Around then? Twenty thirteen, yeah. Uh-huh. I guess you kinda call that a space movie, but mm-hmm. Elysium's great in different ways. Um my favorite part about Elysium is so that's directed by South African director um Neil Blockcomp, who did uh, District, District 9, 9 which yeah. is glorious, which I've rewatched well, recently. And Chappie, right? And Chappie. Yeah. Um, but Elysium was my favorite part is at the end when they're hacking a door and they're using like a credit card that has a ribbon cable to like a computer. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the Mexican dude who's like the hacker is like, he's like, that's so obviously. I posted this on Facebook and nobody gets it. He's that's John Connor and T two at the beginning mm-hmm. when they're using that ribbon mm-hmm. cable to like get an ATM to give the right. money. He's wearing the same fucking jacket. With Budnick, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. It that's not the same actor from Salute Your Shorts. No, that's the same. No, guy. it's not. It's uh, Edward Furlong. Yeah, that's he's not on Salute Your Shorts. Budnick had red hair. No, but I mean, Budnick's his buddy is John Connor's buddy in that term. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Maybe not, that's yeah, true. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I'm yeah. interrupting you in either case. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, I didn't even remember that. But yeah, so, which I think is fucking awesome. I wasn't making fun of it. Like, right. uh, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just saying, I don't know why. I don't know if people thought I was being racist on Facebook. I'm like, no, it's cool that he's Mexican John Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess he goes into space, sort of. Um, in that movie too. So anyways, uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to say, but you don't know if you have a response in general to any of this shit. Um, <laughs> only the, I guess I don't, that's probably the first time on this or any podcast that salute your shorts has been referenced. Yeah. And that was one of the greatest television shows of the 1990s and probably beyond. It was good. I agree, but it was no Pete and Pete. <laughs> there, that's um, fair. Which had Andy Milanakis. As, and Steve Buscemi, didn't it? Yeah, but Andy Milanakis has Wayne Pardue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, what a genius! Bussolini. The the uh, Andy Mil- also. I mean, just uh, go on that route. Back when MTV Two was like this, just wild west of like amazing conceptual art. They had the Andy Milanakis show, mm. which I don't know if you've ever seen that, Mm-mm. but it's just fucking incredible i can't even describe it it's like sort of like the andy dick show which is also mm-hmm. amazing that was actually on mtv one yeah which was great and then of course wonder shows in like the crown jewel of all cable television in terms of like left-wing art um yes nickelodeon definitely had 
there was a moment there where they were doing some really interesting things. Um, and then it kind of coupled with some really shitty, boring things, but, yeah. uh, they were trying to, they were trying to appeal to like the, not preteens, but like early teen audiences. Um, and that was, again, I just kept hitting all those moments right when I was at those ages. Yeah. So it kind of worked for me. Well, the animation too, from Ren and Stimpy to Rock, oh, yeah. Rocco, Rocco's modern life. If you ever saw mm-hmm. that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just some really compelling stuff for a little while. That's true. And then, uh, even, uh, what was that? With Doug Funny, I can't remember that. Oh, name. just that Doug. was more wholesome. Was that was just Doug. Doug, yeah, <laughs> that was good. I, I I was definitely, and again, I was younger when Rugrats came out too. But mm-hmm. Rugrats, to me, Rugrats doesn't really hold up. I don't. It was too weird at the time. Even. Yeah, something that was off. It is it. aesthetically hard to watch, and I think the music is the the Devo guy. Mark Mothersbaugh does all the sound, which is disappointing because yeah. a lot of the other movies he's done, the sound for it's really good. Yeah. And I, I mean, the Rugrat shit stays with you, but I just don't, I don't like it. Maybe I, I don't know. It's unsettling a little It is. But I felt that way about the Pee Wee Herman show Mm -hmm. more than the movies. The movies were not as hard to watch, but Mm -hmm. that show is just so like, I mean, to think back and just be like, okay, that show was for like six-year-olds. Like, that's a crazy show to be watching. And there's no way that you could make that anymore on television. Even the show, you can't do that on television yeah. back then. Yeah. Like the shit they were doing on there. And again, that was aimed at probably 10 year olds. Yeah. It was incredible. <laughs> like Nickelodeon just got free reign. As yeah. long as they said it was for kids, it was just like fucking right. do whatever the fuck you want. Right. Not that, I mean, and Pee Wee Herman was on fucking CBS, so it's right. even crazier. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway. Um, okay. So there was something I was going to say about this. You're the rat shit. I don't okay. remember. Um, I don't have anything offhand. Mm-hmm. You got me. Yeah, I'm sure I'm gonna remember it. I just need a second. Where'd my notes go? I would only add that my sister had two rats at one point mm. as pets. She kept them, and she was kind to them. She had empathy, and she loved them. She said they were great. Some of the best pets she ever had. Yeah, I've seen videos where they people train rats, and mm-hmm. they can do all type of crazy shit. Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense that they're, I mean, if you want an even closer parallel to humans and rats, like the reason we even use rats as test animals is because they share like 98.6 or something percent of our genetic code. So it's not surprising that they're intelligent. Like what they're saying about like rats have simpler brains. That's sort of a misnomer Mm -hmm. anymore. Like, cause now their newer research is showing that even though birds have smaller brains, the corpus callosum or whatever they they have a different brain anatomy than us mm-hmm. but basically the the part that could, that where the that's the the midline uh that the so the vertical plane that separates the hemispheres in our mm-hmm. brain i believe is the corpus callosum anyway whatever that's called if i'm getting it wrong is more highly developed mm-hmm. in birds so they have quicker communication across hemispheres they yeah. don't need as much brain mass to be yeah. pretty smart and they can move so fast as a result yeah so like the bird brain thing is bullshit um, yeah that's why you know ravens and um crows and stuff are like found to be like as smart as seven year olds yeah, they're geniuses um and well octopus are different thing because of octopus is basically like a walking brain like every part of their body is like mm-hmm. n- pretty much nerve tissue yeah. um 
which is fucking crazy. Like there, I've seen videos where people wave at octopus and they like wave back. <laughs> <laughs> well, whales too. I don't know if we need to yeah. go into too much detail. Um, no, that's fine. What's his name? Uh, Cormac McCarthy had it. He put a play that was he wrote a play that was never published or a screenplay called Whales and Men, and it was kind of in the eighties. You know sort of capitalizing on that save the whales stuff that was going on then oh i didn't realize you wrote star trek 4 <laughs> with a punk rock character who fucking spock takes out a commission <laughs> on the bus um, but yeah so i mean from point being from whales to crows to to rats to birds like we're we've learned you know i used to kind of be like uh you know i'd roll my eyes at the the alf people the animal liberation yeah. front and all that but it's I, there's obviously so much more empathy and intelligence that we just have taken for granted and it's 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 unethical right what we've done mm -hmm. historically yeah to these other species so. um yeah so the i mean so we kind of covered like the general features of the year of the rat like with mm -hmm. the i mean well so so maybe to contrast the horror of the coronavirus with um the the net positive effects like destroying capitalism and mm -hmm. um i i'd read uh, when joe was on the pod i read the zizek article about how the coronavirus will you know it sort of illuminates a problem of like we're going to need global um governmental type of agencies to try and figure out how to coordinate and fight off global threats because nations the it, the nation state is limited in what it can do and you can't like control the mm -hmm. spread of something and that we're kind of already in a medical war anyway and this is just going to intensify mm -hmm. over time so like it, it's an opportunity to build more communist institutions because obviously capitalism can't solve this i mean mm -hmm. that's the other crazy thing so like there's obviously these market fears and Five trillion got wiped off the stock market, which honestly isn't. Unfortunately, the the global economy is so overinflated that that doesn't really even. It looks bad on paper mm -hmm. because you see these huge, massive stock market drops, but the Dow is so much bigger than it was in '08 that like it it kind of doesn't matter that much. What's going to happen though is as China like slows their production or stops production completely in so many you know goods. Um, that's going to crush supply chains in the U.S. and all over the world such that like shortages of maybe not food shortages, but shortages of hard goods, you know, computers, all that stuff. But medical supplies, more importantly, mm -hmm. are going to be, you know, that could create real significant problems, which, <laughs> I mean, you know, could lead to us it incentivizing reindustrialization locally, um, which obviously would put more power in the hands of the American worker again to as a sort of again Bernie Sanders is helping to push reunionization and just a more conscious um, population proletariat whatever you know in the face of increasing global crisis i should add that like the other danger is we talked about this you know i went sort of uh, I, you know i went pretty hard trying to argue for why we're very close to a civil war last year when those um oregon lawmakers refused to 
show up to vote on the climate change bill, it happened again mm -hmm. last week, the same bill. Yep. So th these threats are not going away. They're just going to intensify. And I mean, this is the threat of like a Joe Biden candidacy and a Trump second term. Like if it's Joe Biden or Trump, I want Trump. You know, if it had been Bloomberg, I would go work for Trump to make sure Bloomberg didn't happen. Uh, but even with a Trump second term, and again, it's just he's better than Biden because Biden will start wars. And Biden is so fucking craven and crazy now that, like, who knows who would be pulling his strings? It would just be a shadow government for real. Um, but the in either case, no one's going to try and address climate change. No one's going to try and address actual inequality. Like, if Bernie were to get in, um, you know, somebody had made had tweeted that um, the like Bernie oh like sort of like a day after he's inaugurated oh sorry guys we had to declare a national emergency and give everyone health care mm -hmm. like you could fucking do that mm -hmm. that's that's probably how you're gonna get Medicare precedent for has been set yeah and I was making the point to Joe and I'll make it again because it's got such high dialectical quality the immigrants that the right and and the liberals used to scare people are the ones who are if bernie gets somehow gets the nomination and i don't mean that in terms of delegates i mean, obviously mean it in terms of dnc fuckery the latinos are the ones voting bernie in mm -hmm. everywhere mm -hmm. and so the paradox the dialectical paradox is that the people who are seen as like outside the system as who don't belong here as the contagion as the rats mm -hmm are the ones who are literally going to save the world. Right. And so I was making that argument like last week and now, and then yesterday I saw somebody posted a like screenshot of a tweet that was like, the Latinos are coming to literally save your lives. You fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is exactly right. So typical. like, yeah, typical. Um, <laughs> As it should be. Right. Like, we apparently don't... We don't deserve... The, whatever bounty we have, unearned, mm -hmm. we apparently don't deserve it because we're destroying the world with it. So mm -hmm. if they got it... If it's if it's on them to fucking save us from ourselves, be my guest. Please. Have have all of it. Because mm -hmm. we're obviously not capable of doing anything positive. But again, this is all, like, down to what we've been saying. Like, the boomers are trying to kill us. The democratic establishment is trying to kill us. Like... You look at the vote breakdown, like the more Latino and younger you get, um, the more Bernie support there is. So like in like in Nevada, it was something like 65 percent Latinos voted for Bernie mm -hmm. and like nobody, no other candidate had over double digits. Yeah. I mean, they're just better. They're, they're better than white people, apparently. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just this is just facts. <laughs> I mean, not that I thought any different before, but I right. mean, objectively, like <laughs> they're trying to save us from ourselves mm -hmm. um, for everyone's sake. And, you know, I I think I just what, what I hope comes out of this, I, I'm in no way saying Bernie doesn't have a shot. He's still he's still on pace to win. So th there's that. But. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know what level of fuckery. I mean, we're going to have to go to fucking Milwaukee. We're going to have to literally... Mm -hmm. People are already calling to burn it down. Now, they don't mean it literally, but... We're facing the apocalypse. <laughs> so, right. you know, do what you got to do. Um, I'm, I would never incite violence, but, you know, 
I can't stop anybody from leaving. <laughs> but you can't stop the virus from coming. That's right. Can't stop the rats. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I, you know, regardless, anyway, I hope what comes out of this is, and not that this wasn't already developing, but what I hope comes out is like a very strong sense of like Latino solidarity and power. Like, I hope Latinos understand their power in American politics now in a much more direct way than perhaps was visible before like and again i'll you know just to repeat the uh, what we talked about with that chicago election the dsa who's actually effective mm -hmm. are latinos mm -hmm. who just use dsa as a means to get power because they're not stupid um you know and, and again you want to talk about dialectical shit the the dialectical horror first is tragedy and then is farce a fucking bobby rush ex-black panther leader Endorsing fucking Joe Biden, like mm -hmm. literally the guy who is responsible single-handedly for crafting the drug war in the you know in a postmodern age, like what a neoliberal era. What in the actual fuck is he doing? Like even Al Sharpton was like, "Don't let him trick you." Like Bernie's the way to go. Like mm -hmm. Al Sharpton is a verified FBI informant, <laughs> and he is on our team. <laughs> the snitches are on our team. <laughs>